Yo, what's good? Hey, everybody. Counter Currents Podcast, Episode 1, The Steel Reel in its new incarnation. That's right, Counter Currents, a new incarnation, plus this lovely girl voice in the background. That's right, and tell everybody who you be. I be Elena Torres. I'm also a comedian here in D.C., good friend of Petey Steele's over here. Indeed, we decided to start indeed. doing this together. Indeed. Yeah, no, I got tired of listening to myself talk for 10 episodes, and I had some guests, and I had you on before, right? Yeah, yeah. Who was on that time? Dominic and... No, it wasn't Dominic. It was, I think it was Eddie and D. Okay. All right. Yeah, that was a good episode, yeah. but here we are because, you know, I need somebody to keep my bad negativity in check. That's what I was told by the draft house that I'm here to keep Petey in line. Oh shit. So it wasn't just me. This yeah. was like Yeah, I've the been told I'm officially be. here to keep you in fucking line. Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm pumped. I can't wait to see how you'll do it. I'll even learn something. We already from this. said bad words within thirty seconds. Yeah. So well, it shows what a good job I'm doing. <laughs> bad profanity is such a uh I think overrated, you know, indicator of badness. Yeah, well, I think now, honestly, there's only, because we use it so often, I think there's only, like, a couple words that really hold. Yeah, if they're all, like, racial and sexual epithets. Right, right, exactly, exactly. You know, it doesn't even seem like fuck is such a big deal anymore. I hear it no. on TV or, you know, or what, pussy was definitely getting played a lot during the whole yeah, Access yeah, Hollywood yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean, well, nobody seemed to care enough about that, and he's president, so yeah. pussy doesn't mean shit, I guess, now. No. Oh, well, you guys know what I mean, not in the greater sense, but anyway. <laughs> so, Elena, how did we meet? I can. Rec- I have my side of the story. You do? I want to hear your side first. We met at the draft house. We met at Arlington Draft House. Uh, was, no, no, I don't think yeah. that's true. Yeah, we did. I'm, I'm almost 100% sure that we met... At Arlington Draft House, back when the late night Mike was there. So everybody, just so you know, every Saturday at 10.45, there's a mic with all the local comics in D.C. You can see us do three, four minutes each. And it's a pretty big deal, Mike. Yeah. For all the comics, it's sort of like it's watched by these two wonderful guys named Andy and Randolph, and they sort of decide who gets to host, and later on you start opening. So it's a pretty big deal for comics in the area. And we met, and that used to be at Arlington Draft House, but now it's at D.C. Draft House. And back when I was at Arlington Draft House, and everybody would hang out in that area outside that room, you were pretty nice to me. Oh, Which, thanks. when you're a new comic, people usually aren't that nice. Yeah. Because they're just kind of like, who the fuck are you? And are right. you like, she won't last. Right. But you were pretty nice. Well, thanks. You know, I try to be a boy scout about some of these things with new comics. You know, if they really suck, I'll bust their balls some for fun. <laughs> I'd never tell anyone to outright quit unless they asked. Right. Um, but I, yeah, I think that's where we bonded at first. Now, I do, I seem to recall meeting you at Kurt Shackelford's. Uh, oh shit! First. No, that's right. That's was, right. That's right. When I was getting robbed as the house MC for you know an entire that's year, right. that's and I wasn't right. technically robbed. He told me it was going to be free, and I thought, oh yeah, I'll get some more hosting chops. But that's right. kind of when I discovered that hosting chops are never going to work for BD Steel. Like I'm never <laughs> just my persona is just not likable enough to be like. 
oh yeah, <laughs> you know, I gotta be paid. Yeah, I should have seen his face. Come in and be like a fucking feature, and just pound. I know you gotta pull out the stops, and I can host it. All club bookers out there, I did just feature for Rachel Feinstein. I hosted for Jordan Rock and Alicia Brub. I'm doing a okay. Uh, I can clean it up if need be, but I don't want to be that ingratiating blah, 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 and I don't think it's really in my makeup, my comic makeup. Well, hosting really takes a very specific type Nerd, of yeah. comic. Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really wanted to host for a while, and I hosted a show at Driftwood every Saturday for alert. For that I never went to. That you never went to. You missed out. It was a great show. Yeah, I, I know it was. And I learned a lot doing it, but I also learned that, like, hey, listen, I can host now. Like, I've done it enough that mm-hmm. I can do it. I think it's a really important skill to have because I think it makes you a lot less afraid of the audience. You know, you learn how to talk to them. Sure. But I definitely think my written material is not necessarily the best for number one. It was a lot of anal jokes that I tried when mm-hmm. I hosted and I found out those don't work out the gate. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> out the gate, that can be a hard sale. Yeah, yeah. Like I was doing that the other night hosting the Improv Lounge and the first show went spectacularly well and I thought that the second was going to go better but then what I later heard was that the late Friday night is not as good and I don't know why that is but that's a universally accepted thing and sure enough i mean i came out and hit it with my typical jokes and got a few laughs but definitely a few groans that were kind of audible and i had to like you know chide the audience a little bit and well late night friday shows are famous for just because people are just tired and the drunks at that point aren't disgusting right after work drunk falling asleep and just they want more attention than you're getting I guess that's true. It's a tough. It's it's just a tough spot. I mean, it's like universally known in comment in comedy to be the toughest show. It's the late night Friday huh. show. That's weird. I never knew that. But it makes sense. I mean, it makes sense. People are super tired because they've been working a full day. It's unlike the Saturday late night show. Full week. You know, work word full mm-hmm. week. That's true. But yeah, like you know, on Saturday they've had a day to sleep in. They've hung out. Yeah, they're they're more chill. Saturday right, right, the right. best night. Right. And Sunday sucks cock unless there's a holiday the next day. Yeah, that's true. And that was luckily the case with Jordan Rock's thing. Oh, nice. So Sunday night was lit. And people actually, from back in the day, showed up and were like, hey. And I was like, oh, sweet. Well, who are these people from back in the day? Oh, my homeboy Tim from back in uh, ninth grade. Oh, oh, oh. So, yeah, like, I'm your just, friends. Yeah. So I was just reconnected with this dude, like, in the last year and it's you know kind of through facebook because he sees what i'm doing but then he just showed up the like black squirrel and then um the improv and stuff and that's two more times than practically everybody i've known from back when who ever said they were gonna come see a show right paid to do it and bought drinks and everything that that was great shout out to big tim out there hey tim thanks for supporting comedy you know it's it's important Him, him and his wife came through um but you know, it's um, it's a thing of mine. I like being a DC comic and being in this area. And some people would look on that as like, yeah, you're never gonna move, blah blah blah. Yeah, you're right. I'm not. <laughs> really? You're never like. What if you got an offer 
to like do a show or something in I New mean, York. Yeah, if you, the bread's right, sure. But I'm not gonna be one of these little dick suckers that goes up and says, "Oh, I'm gonna make the trip," and then just try to work from the ground up and glad hand everybody and do all that nonsense for what? You know, I mean, I have like a job, a steady thing. I've got right. spots here pretty regularly. I get paid. I'm I'm a free agent. You know, when I came into this game, I said, you know, I'll fuck with people if they want to help me and stuff like that. And they have done more than me and they can do some mentorship or some crafting, right. help me with the trade. But I'm not going to sit around and, you know, try to get favors and do all this extra stuff, especially if I know you're not that funny, but you're just good at playing a game right right which there's a lot of look there's plenty of that so i love this city i think it's great that it's right here and i think anybody that kind of like you know thinks too far ahead into the future of their comedy from you know getting a tiny bar buzz from doing stuff in this circuit and thinks like oh the rest of the scene is blah yo you're missing out because there's plenty of paid opportunities around here. And yeah. even when you get up to anywhere, these other spots, these other cities you're going to, and I think it's cool to visit them and go out on the road and right. do stuff and see where your medal's at because I think this is the best scene, too, in terms of building skills and stuff. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm biased as a motherfucker. Let me just make that clear for everybody listening to Countercurrents, <laughs> you know. It's going to take a lot of her L.A. shit. I was going to say, I'm not biased at all, and I'm about to <laughs> talk a little bit more about this. Yeah, it's going to take a lot of, you know, some West Coast, you know, California roll stuff to, like... California roll? California roll is disgusting. Yeah, it is. Um, to get me to, you know, stop my loyalty to this town and what I want to do for it and be as a comic and all that sort of stuff because I think it's fantastic. I think there's always money around if you're willing to hustle and scrounge. And this is the capital of the fucking world. Well, I think, I mean, what you're talking about is something that I struggle with a lot. Like when I started doing comedy, I actually started doing mics in New York because Mm -hmm. I figured that there wasn't any comedy here. Because I moved here, for everybody that knows I'm, I'm married, not to Petey, to another wonderful man who has nothing to do with comedy. Um, And I moved here to be with him from Mm -hmm. being an actress for years and years. Shout out to Univision. That's what I did. Univision. Um, Univision. And when I got here, I was like, well, I've always wanted to try stand-up comedy, but obviously there's not going to be anything in D.C. So I started in New York, and the mics in New York were horrible. Because my sister lived up there, so I would just stay with her a lot and Josh and I like made it that's my husband oops I wasn't gonna say his name oops. oops we made it like an agreement that I would be in New York a lot and then I tried a mic here and the comics were way better mm-hmm. and there were people there like mics in New York there's no people like you're just performing your comedy in front of other comedians right whereas here I went to a mic and like everybody was much better than the people that were doing it at the shows that I was performing on in New York that weren't bringer shows with, like, established comics on them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was only there to, you know, bring 10 friends because that's how many shows you have to, how many people you have to bring when you do right. a show in New York. So I do agree, and I think this is the best. I think we're so lucky because I think D.C. is the best place to start because mm-hmm. from the day I started, which was, like, two years ago, I got to perform in front of, like, full 
packed houses of people that didn't know who I was that weren't friends that I was forced to bring. Right. And I think I've become a much better comic in that amount of time because I've been able to do that like Mm -hmm. every night of the week, right? Yeah. But at the same time, what I struggle with a lot is like when you move on to the next level, like all the television work, all that Mm -hmm. stuff, it's not here. But at the same time, going and starting from the bottom in New York seems like if you're really trying to be a better artist, it's just going to take longer because you're performing in front of other comedians that aren't listening to you. They're not. And that just are worried about their own thing. And by the way, you get two or three minutes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. I've been. On those mics. So I always, so I actually talk to my husband about this a lot. Because it's always like, what's the move? Like, you you move to New York and you do those mics after being a comedian doing comedy five, six years? Or, you know, is television and, you know, bigger stuff kind of start noticing the comedians we have here, sort of like what happened with SNL in Chicago mm-hmm. and everywhere in Chicago. Like a lot of the big comedic actors have all came out of that second city scene in Chicago. Like, right. is it going to, I think maybe because we're so close to New York, mm-hmm. that maybe something like that will start to happen. But I don't know. What do you think? I mean, yeah, I think something like that could happen, but I just think like, I want to be, whether it does or doesn't, is sort of irrelevant to me. Like, I feel like I know what I bring. I know how to develop my craft. I know who to ask for pointers on how to do it to help me get it done, you know. And I feel like eventually talent proven and shown will be undeniable. That's true. I think talent rises no matter what the situation. Yeah, like I was out in Baltimore. I mean, we were doing some... You know, redneck bar that Wendy Townsend does out in Parkville, mm-hmm. and I was opening for Schlegel. You know, Justin Schlegel. Yeah. Yeah, and he told me afterwards, he's like, "Dude, you turned that place into a fucking clinic. You need to go to New York tomorrow, and all that." Mm-hmm. And on the one hand, I was beyond honored, and then I right. told him, "I don't know. I don't think I don't even want to do that. I'm gonna hate it." He's like, "Oh yeah, you're gonna hate it." He's like, "It sucks." You know, he went yeah. and did that move and went up there, and then decided, "No way, was it for him?" And now he's, you know doing radio and shit like that. Right, right. And he's way more, I feel, talented in terms of just, like, crowd work and natural chops right. and all of that. But, you know, just having, like, his kind of co-sign or Rachel Feinstein's and, like, other people right. who've told me, that you know, that I got enough to do these things, but then... Then it comes down to what do you want from the game? And right. That's that's my next question. So you have, yeah. like, all these people who have, like, vouched for you, right? Yeah. You're not planning to, like, reach out for them and be like, yo, I'm going to New York, like, X, Y, Z. Can you hook me up with this? Can I audition for it? Rachel Feinstein's in the Comedy Cellar. Yeah, like, yeah, Like, can I you know. show my tape to the Comedy Cellar girl, yeah. you know? I mean, I don't have a problem doing it once I know I'm ready to bring that stuff to them. I mean, it's one thing to get a vouch like, oh, yeah, you know, you got the talent. But I have to feel, too, that I've crafted it enough. And to me, that means like a solid hour. Okay. You know what I mean? Before I say, okay, now I'm going to pitch this off to this person. I don't want to use a plug or a vouch and then not show up for them either. Okay, That's part you. of my code, too, just for myself and how I live my right. life. Um, but that being said, you know, even if you get those things, then what is it? You know, I mean, if the money's right, if it's huge, fuck yeah. Like you asked earlier, would I take like a writing gig or something? If the bread is like incredible, 
fuck yeah, I'll take it. You know, that's that's a sensible decision. I just, I don't like this idea of, oh, you just relocate to another town and you're going to do nothing for like eight years putting your name in a fucking lottery pitcher you know to get two minutes and then maybe like like i did that one night i've I've done a bunch of those i've done a bunch oh i'll never forget going around with baker bone and we (laughs) we get to this place we throw our name in with 50 other names yeah and by the time the fifth wave of 10 people's called you know we get picked and then 40 of them are gone because they're all comics. That's yeah, their whole fucking audience. And of I'm course. like, this is lame. I don't, like, it's terrible. Yeah, I've done a bunch of those. I mean, listen, what I can tell you from my experience doing acting stuff. Yeah. You know, I moved to L.A. to be an actress. I mm-hmm. went to college. But I moved there to go to theater school. And I moved, you know, to do that. And to, like, go out and audition and stuff. And I, like, wasn't getting very much at all. And then I got the Mexico job. And then when I went back to LA I got way different opportunities than I did if I just stayed there because mm-hmm. working another in another market and getting attention in another market I got a better agent got better auditions it's like it that was a much bigger step forward right. than I think if I had just stayed right so I feel like comedy must work in the same way a little bit like if you're in a different market mm-hmm. killing it in a different market and you start opening for people mm-hmm. you know like say Rachel Feinstein or whatever like yeah. you're like you're doing then that's got to open more doors. But here's my question, right? Like, you're yeah. talking a lot about the money, mm-hmm. but what about exposure? Because I think this is a big question in entertainment in general, mm-hmm. is, which is, like, exposure versus money. Right. There's a lot of jobs where you have, like, great exposure, and they don't pay you shit. Yeah. So, like, let's say, let's say, let's use Rachel Feinstein as, like, an example. Sure. Let's say you reach out to her. You're like, hey, can you show my tape to the Comedy Cellar chick? Your pass at the Comedy Cellar. Yep. The Comedy Cellar pays you, what, like $75 a set or something like that? I don't know, but it's yeah. not it's not real yeah, money. It's not it's not real money, but right. the exposure, like that's where Netflix goes to pull people for specials. That's where I feel like a lot of agents and stuff look for people and you start touring, but you're not necessarily getting money from the venue, but the exposure that it's giving you is pretty big. Like is that worth it to you? Um I don't know. I don't think so. No. I mean Really? It, it, well, here's the thing. So again, like it is about the money and it ain't. So if somebody's throwing a big bag, of course I'll go for that. But right. if there's, if I already have a good amount of money and I have like a real square ass, well paid job right. in DC, right. Right. you know, like I which make, is a huge achievement and totally hard to do. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you. Yeah. So I mean, it's kind of like, you know. I clock loot here. I can get better at comedy doing what I do generally every night. And, you know, and I get a little bit of supplemental income on the side. But whatever, that's here and there. But it, I craft all my shit to my standard of perfection. And then if I've got enough in the bank by then, like a ton saved or something like that, then, yeah, sure, maybe I can relocate someplace, and if they want pass something on at the cellar and I can get on or whatever, right. then I can pay some busted New York rent or something and right. then go and do spots at the cellar or wherever it is that wants right. to pay. But that's the thing. I'm, I'm more of a plan guy. Some people say, oh, no, you got to clip the safety net. I don't believe that theory. Really? No, I think that's something people do more in their 20s 
Yeah. Which is sort of kind of ridiculous when you think about it because being in your 20s is sort of like a safety net. Like, yeah, because you're in your 20s, you're you can fuck up. In your 20s, you can fuck up a lot. Right, right, People right. repair their credit right, later. Right, right. They do, <laughs> right, right. like, you know, you're not going to, like, fight the Sandinistas right. or something, you know? People will be going 20s. Like, now I'm, I'm 37 years old, you know? Like, I have a pretty good trajectory but if i were to just say hey fuck this all and go and do comedy with what like you know several thousand in the bank and then another like hundred thousand in all my investments and shit like that like am i just gonna do that and and leave a great no no fucking way see i would like if i got past yeah if i got past at the comedy cellar because i know the opportunity that it could Mm -hmm. open up like yeah it might not work out and right. like you're losing, you know, a mm-hmm. comfortable situation, but I would do it. Like because the exposure that you're going to get, it's like a one-time chance, right? Like you don't get those opportunities that often. No, you don't. So I would chase the opportunity and if I got it, like something like that, like mm-hmm. that's where I would take the sacrifice. I don't think I would move to New York just to move to New York because I mean, I know what that's like. I lived in LA for a decade. I know mm-hmm. people do that all the time. You know, just to move to New York and start from the bottom again. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that necessarily makes sense. But I think for the right opportunity, whether it paid or not, I would go. Right. So, like, something like that, like, being passed at one of those New York clubs. I mean, you can also, like, go back and forth a lot, which there are peop- there are DC comics that do that. Oh, yeah. Who are passed at big, you know, like, Frankie French mm-hmm. is, she's at the stand all the time. And mm-hmm. she lives here. Right. You know, so, like, you can figure out a way to go back and forth. Oh, yeah. And make it work. See Rollo doing that a fair deal. And oh, really? I think Paris. T- well, maybe they're Paris there lives now. in New York. She lives there now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I don't know. I don't follow all these people that much, but yeah. So yeah. I think there's a way to do it. Just And even if it was like, okay, you're past at the Comedy Cellar. you got to be here four nights a week. Like, I would do that. Mm-hmm. And even though it pays shit. Shit. But the exposure, like, you can't buy that, right? That's like the first step. And then you never get paid on the first one. With entertainment, it's always like the second or the third. Yeah. Yep, you yep. know? So that's like the first step, and then from there. Okay. You start touring more or whatever. So you tell your husband, like, yo, straight up, I'm going. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean. And he'd we go would, with you? We would figure, I mean, if they were like, if they were like, you have to do, like, let's say it was like, you have to be in New York four nights a week. I mean, we would figure that out. Mm-hmm. We would either do, because he has a square that's the other thing i do have a little bit of a safety net in that you know my mm-hmm. husband does have like a, a square job here right. in dc you know that makes it because i'm you know right comedy's see, not making it see crazy my bitch don't right <laughs> but he would he would totally support that and we would figure something out and he knows that like eventually if anything happens we'd have to for for my career we'd have to leave and mm-hmm. so he's down to do that but if it was like a comedy seller thing we'd do like We'd get a shit-ass place in New York and a shit-ass place in D.C. and figure it out. Okay. All right. I support. We don't have kids yet, so if you are you put kids in the mix, it's a different story, yeah, but we don't have kids that's yet. That's a big yet. What do you think about that? I mean, we definitely have eventually want them, but not today. Uh, yeah, I don't want them. <laughs> no, never? Nah. And that's, I mean, and that's a pretty great... Uh, you know, um, the way not um, be hindered, right? With opportunities, for sure, for sure. Yeah, no, I got a got a Zika net on my jank. <laughs> <laughs> 
is not even real. Yeah, I don't know. That wasn't even real, that Zika stuff. Don't get me started. We got married in Mexico during the whole Zika thing, and people freaked out. I did all this research on it, and I was like, wow, this is, for the most part, just fear-mongering not, and not true. Yeah. Well, I, no, 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 because somebody I know had it. Actually. From Florida. No, from Central America. Really? Yeah. I mean, there were some cases, but the cases where you got the babies with the the microcephaly are mm-hmm. really, really small. And, like, it depended a lot on the sections of the country you were going to. Like, I knew about Mexico specifically, right? It's as if, like, Florida had, had the Zika mosquito. It's mm-hmm. as if they told you. It's as if every country in the world was like, don't go to the United States. There's Zika there. Right. Which is ridiculous because there's a, because most of the United States did not have Zika, which in, no, with Mexico, did, that was the case. So like where we got married did not have it. Yeah. And like where I'm from, Mexico City, the, it's too high up. The in mosquito fact, can't the survive there. The one case I knew of was kind of like the seminal case. So <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah. See, it's like the yeah. one random person. Like it was so rare, even when in places where there was the Zika right. virus, it was like. So ridiculous. Yeah, anyway. she was studying down there something. I mean, she's a super smart gal and works for like a big government, you know, whatever mm-hmm. agency. I won't say which, but mm-hmm. she was doing some work down there and then she got it. And then it, when she reported it from some of the symptoms and everything, they said, oh, my God, could it be this? And they tested. They said, yeah. And then it became a big pissing match of who was going to get to do the medical treatment and therefore also the scientific research. So she oh was getting, God. like, bartered between, like, the Centers for Disease Control. Meanwhile, they're keeping her in, like, NIH. a bubble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I was like, damn, that's kind of flattering if you think about it. <laughs> Everybody's fighting over you. Yeah, just from getting a mosquito bite. Right. But, any rate, so why do we decide to do this podcast together? We got to talk oh, about Oh, yeah, that. we're going back to that. So It's on our list we made up. Oh, yeah, we we made a talking point list before this because <laughs> Petey and I tend to go on really big tangents like we, we just, just did. did. <laughs> so we made a point to try to stay you know, true to the subject. One of the reasons we go on a lot of these big tangents is because we actually, even though we peaceably do it, we kind of disagree a fair deal. Yeah, I we do. On a few things. Yeah, we do. And therefore, I think countercurrents was a good choice for the name of this podcast. Right. It's all about friendly disagreements. And I think in today's America, there's a lot of unfriendly disagreements. Fuck yeah. But you can be friends and still disagree on a lot of stuff and have two totally different point of views. That's right. Pluralize, don't polarize. There you go. You know what I'm saying? There you go. So that's why we kind of banded forces here, and so far it's been, you know, a lot of fun making this first half episode. Yeah, exactly. uh, I've really enjoyed it so far. I'm looking forward to the second half. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Many other fourths and eighths to come. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Additionally, uh, what would you say your style of comedy is? Um, I would say I definitely fall a little bit more under the storytelling type of joke. I'm not like a one-liner kind of comic. Mm-hmm. I think most of my jokes are about myself and about my life. Right, right. I have two jokes that a lot of people would tell you makes me a very foul-mouthed, dirty comic. But I really only have two jokes that are foul-mouthed and oh. about sex stuff. 
Yeah. But they're really about, like, they're not really about sex stuff. They're really about sort of the female experience when it comes to certain sex stuff. Just the eating ass one? Yeah, that's the one. (laughs) 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 Let's just just call it what it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The asshole wax one Mm -hmm. and... There's I do another one about anal and I tend to close on those. So that tends to be the ones that people remember. So a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, she's a pretty foul mouth comics. It's really just two jokes. Yeah. Now, what's different between like eating ass and anal? Well, eating ass is you're eating ass. Well, I know like, you're that's eating like it. that's like tongue up on the open asshole versus yeah. like anal is when you're just, just taking it. Penetrating. Yeah, okay. exactly. But I mean, oh no, 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 wait, no. What I wanted to say was, what's the difference between anal and like asshole wax, wax again? Oh, oh, oh. Well, that's what really that joke is about. You call it the e- the asshole eating joke, which yeah. is funny. All the male comics like think of it as the asshole eating joke. It's really a joke about how I make about my husband having to wax his asshole because it's too hairy. Yeah. So like you I... can't do anything down there. Ugh. Whereas like women, we're expected to like take very clean Huge. care of all that stuff. Yeah. And if not, we're disgusting. But yet. Right. There's, like, this expectation that, like, Your woman eats ass. we should eat ass, but it's okay if it's, like, disgustingly hairy and looks like a fucking forest. Like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. that's not okay. So that's what the joke's about. <laughs> right, right. No, that's that's pretty, you know, saccharine. Right, right. <laughs> so it's about how I think he should wax his asshole. And by the way, well, no, I shouldn't I shouldn't talk about that. Never mind. I've never done it. Uh, Waxed wax it? it? No. You should. Ugh, You'll make some some lady very happy. It's not that painful. Well, I don't think I'd make them that happy because none of them eat my ass anyway. Well, it's probably because you haven't waxed it. I mean, but how can they tell without putting their tongue in it first? Do they? You can tell by just by putting your hand over there. You can tell. Yeah, I guess that's true. Like something you can't even find a way in because it's so hairy. <laughs> See, I would think it would just be the scar tissue from hemorrhoids that have been oh ruptured. Oh my god. <laughs> 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 I mean, the doctor had a pretty hard time looking to see if I had a kidney infection. You know, <laughs> that should be a sign. Yeah, you should groom. And it, by the way, it doesn't like a lot of guys are like, "That's gay." I'm like, "No, no." Gay shit. men are smart enough to know shit that grooming grooming is, is the nice grooming is the nice thing to do for yeah. your partner. Yeah. No, no, no. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's real. I would it's get true. a nice, good shave. Like, I'd go to the fucking barber. Yeah, well, you should go to the asshole barber. <laughs> <laughs> is there a that specific, be... like, asshole barber for the Brazilian? Or what is it, a Brazil? Yeah, you can go. There's, like, there's certain waxing places that then a lot, and guys can go. They'll have somebody to do guys. And it's a waxing salon, and you go in a room, and you take your pants off, and they wax you. Okay, so, I mean, is it, like... Gay guys doing it mostly? Uh, I assume mostly, but I feel from what I've heard. Like, like is it a I'm gay guy's dream, like happened. a gynecology MD? It's not a is dream. Like... It's not a dream. It's a ho- <laughs> like nobody looks forward to having like hot wax put on your butthole and having it pulled out. But it's, you know, it's the considered thing to do for your partner. I think more straight guys no, do it. No, I'm talking it. about the guys who do the deed. I think, I think, I think gay guys for the most part are probably the main clientele that yeah. do it. But I think more straight guys do it than one would think. So there's and more as st- women, every girl out there listening, like, don't be afraid to tell your man to wax his asshole. So there's more if you st- tell him enough times, or if you do the joke on stage enough times, eventually he goes and does it. 
Yeah, well, that's your <laughs> slice of feminism for this episode. Exactly. Oh, P- Petey's like, <laughs> Petey's like, enough is enough. Yeah, yeah, no. Petey, Petey's like, like, slow that down. This is where the tongue stops. Yeah, yeah. No, um, but, but uh, I mean, I'm asking in terms Talking of about like, eating ass is fine, but feminism is where I'm uh, drawing the line. Uh, <laughs> oh, I just want you hoes to have agency. <clears throat> um, <Okay>. so, <laughs> what you would call it, so... But I'm talking about asshole waxing practitioners. Like, they're mostly... Oh, 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 you mean the guys who actually... Yeah, they're mostly gay, right? I don't know. I mean, I know that when I talked to the lady who does mine, she said that it's better when men do it because it takes more strength to wax a man's asshole because there's more hair and the hairs are usually, like, have more years of being in there. Yeah. So it usually is better if a man does it because usually if women do it, they're just not strong enough. Yeah, I also get. wouldn't want to get like a Lee Press on stuck in there. Oh God, they wear gloves. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Even so, those gloves could get penetrated. I don't think they have a very strong. Underside. I think you should try it, and then we should come back, and you should talk about <laughs> your experience. Episode and our next two. Episode two should be. <laughs> I have a place. I know the guy that could do it for you. I'll you hook do. you up. I do. Okay. Capital Waxing. It's in Farragut North. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't do women, so I don't know I don't if he's gay or not. Either I don't know way, if he's gay. Asshole wax. How much is it a waxed asshole? It's like 50 bucks. Oh, wow. Is there like a kit I could just get and do it? I don't know. DIY? Probably. Probably. I, I don't imagine. Actually, you know what? I had one girlfriend who would do her boyfriends for him. So she actually really? had a waxing kit herself at home, and she would do it huh. for him. So she want to do it for me? I'll give her a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Uh, I, I mean, I can't imagine there's a lot of auto ass waxing that goes on. You know. Well, it's kind of hot because I just think it's like tough to reach spots. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I think you just gotta go have this guy do it, and then we'll talk about it. And you should talk about your experience. I talk about how thrilled the ladies will be. And how sanitary new- does he do it? Does he, like, stick it's up a... super sanitary. They, like, rub stuff oh. on you beforehand. It's super sanitary. Oh, here's something. How often are you supposed to get it waxed for health standards? <laughs> for health standards. I think for guys, it probably takes... In the back, it takes a little longer to grow, but, like, girls do it once a month. So, Asshole waxing? Well, when they do the front, they do the back. That's what really? my joke. Free that's of charge? My joke. That's, it's all the same. So it's all part oh, of the I same. Oh, I guess that is the same area. Yeah, right, right. right. Right, that's what my joke is about, right? Like, they do the whole front part first, and that hurts so fucking much that by the time they get to the back, <laughs> doesn't feel like you're anything. chilling. Yeah, it's fine. Wow. Like, like that part, I mean, it doesn't hurt at all. So when you get the front wax, I mean, you scream like an octave high. Not anymore, because I've been doing that shit since I was, like, 16. Oh, wow. So you don't even get, like, the... Good like after pain endorphins. No, the, right? no, the, like well, there's after, no like, a good no, workout. No, it just sucks. <laughs> it just sucks. Like yeah, the results are fine, yeah. but it's just shitty. Like nobody, like nobody enjoys it. Yeah. And guys should do the same thing. I just think we should be held to the same standard. No, that's fair. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If I can talk my girl into eating my asshole, I'll definitely take. There you, you go. Well, well. <laughs> The way to do it. She's not going to do it unless you clean it up. You're if right. If you say, right. I really think you, we should come back episode two and you should go do it. I'll give you all the information of the salon and you should go do it. Well, I'm not going to see experience. her this coming week, so, you know. Well, okay. Make 
Well, you should message you her and do be like, like a sixty minutes. You should you should message her. I know you should message. Her. I feel like this is so great. If this joke, if this joke makes more men wax their assholes, even just like if you just do it like that, that's like my ultimate goal in comedy. Like fuck getting into the comedy cell or anything in New York. Yeah. If I get more guys to wax you get their assholes, steal the wax. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Fuck, my, yeah. My job is done. <laughs> that's a drop the mic. Like I have succeeded. <laughs> oh Lord. I'm I'm with it. I'm so with it. Um, let me call this girl. In fact, we'll get it on Facetime right now. I'm just kidding. I was gonna say, are you actually gonna do that? No, no. Oh my god. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, but I will message her. And message her and see. Message her and see if the reason she doesn't do it is because it's a fucking forest back there. I bet you. That's the other thing, because like girls usually are like, we're nice and we don't tell you what's really going on. If she tells you, like. So hey. she gives you the reach around. It's, she's not just grabbing your ass. It's like a. You know, uh, uh, well, usually she'll grab it and it'll be like, that's just, thing. just She's a grab. Like, oh, this is a fucking. Usually a grab is like, you'll find out is that if that's, that's as far inspection. as you're going to go. Yeah, it's a little bit of an inspection. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe I can, you know, trick her out of veganism or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Whatever you call when you don't eat an asshole. Veganism. But, but how, but how long? <laughs> How how long do you stick around? Uh, I mean, I know you're married now, happily to an asshole waxer, but like, <laughs> if, <laughs> if if it say say you wasn't, say you was single again, you hook up with some dude, and you notice, you know, there's fucking brush back there. Do you straight up just say, "Yo, I'm kicking this guy to the curb now"? No, I wouldn't kick him to the curb. I'd just stay away. Stay away. You so just you stay away like, from that area. Whisper in his ear, give him a hint, like. Some no, say, I wouldn't hey, do that. I admit that about myself. If if it was no. someone where it was like casual, I wouldn't say anything because they're just casual. I don't want to start like I'm not that invested in your hairy asshole, so I just am right. not going back there. That's it. Okay. If it's somebody that I'm seeing or somebody that I'm with, right. and it's like, well, especially if it's somebody who's like trying to get you to do that kind of stuff, it's like, right. dude, I'm not gonna do anything. Right. If it's disgusting like Until that. You wake it's the up. same way. Like you're not gonna do anything for me if it's like not all cleaned up. That's so it. you gotta clean up too. That's right. Yeah. Okay. I don't think it's too much to ask. No, it's not too much to ask, but if you never ask, I'm just wondering, you know, how does the man have a light bulb that just goes on and says, Bing, well, let's let's do this thing. Because I think a lot of men like you heard me how problematic it was when I was trying to figure out if most of the asshole waxes were gay or not, you know? Right, I think right, a right. lot of men have a little bit of pent-up homophobia. When right, they for sure. Say, that sounds like something gay men go do. Like, why, why are we going to do that for... You know how many men are, like, callid out there? Like, now all these guys are, like, virtue signaling and dissing DJ Khaled for right. saying, like, he doesn't eat the front yeah right yeah which and, is disgusting of him yeah which is stupid but you know some years back many guys would have said yeah i'll fucking eat that and many would have meant it and i think it, it was considered like a um the way he thinks of it which is like a kind of um emasculating practice which is stupid but Right, emascu- yeah, emasculating and in some way disgusting. It's like, oh, because, you know. Right, but, you know, no one was. Dicks are so much cleaner. Right, but dudes <laughs> wasn't thinking in terms of equity back then or nothing. So what I'm saying right. is. 
this is like a, the next step up. I never right, heard of a dude saying nothing back in the nineties about yeah, homie, go and get my asshole waxed. Well, because after I also I think hit the stuff. gym, go to the right, fucking right. basketball court, you know, see about this cookout, wax my ride, and then the yeah, wax my asshole. No. Wait, but, but I think a lot of that is because butt stuff wasn't as like talked about or as big of a thing right. back then like a lot of the butt stuff like people asking for butt stuff comes from porn right right and porn has been like way more available and like sick yeah. in the modern day so i feel like it's all related to sort of like porn and people just doing more right. things sexually than they ever have before like i bet i bet you a lot of american men straight up like they didn't care about even ass care. Like never mind wax right 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 just watering like i bet a bunch of them went to amsterdam to the fuck the hookers in the red light district, right? But then took a dump in the bidet. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I can't that's, believe we're talking about this. That's the way I think shit went down. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah man. So like, ah, oh well. That all right. This will be. This is definitely on the new bucket list. I really, I have a place for you to the go. Current list. I got the guy. I got the guy who's gonna do it. Like whenever you you get the ball, because I think it takes a real man. Yeah, it does. Because I think I think men who are like more scared or homophobic and insecure are gonna right. be the kinds of guys that don't do it. But I think a real secure man who's totally secure in right. who he is. Right. And I feel like that's a lot of the reason the gay men do it is because they're like, listen, I'm gay. I know it. Yeah, right. I'm going to be considerate to my partner because we're doing butt stuff. Right. Now that seems to be like the norm if you're in a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like real men Mm -hmm. wax their assholes. Okay. So, you know, the real man thing to do, I got the guy for you and the place for you to go. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) All right. So we'll come back to this. Yes, we will. And we'll let you know <laughs> if Peter gets the balls. So now. What's next on our list, Petey? So what what style of comedy are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Petey, Petey. <laughs> that, that was right. That was, that was a question. I don't think you so, got enough of a slice of me. Right. Well, no, Petey, that, was, that all started with me and my two jokes and how much conversation my my two dirty jokes lead to. Uh, but Petey, what I kind really... of comedian do you think you are? What do you consider yourself? You know, I got a whole bunch of different um, influences in on most nights. Let's just keep it real. I'm pretty filthy. I'm, you know, wild. Um, but I think I'm kind of I'm kind of smart too. I think I throw Not a lot of curveballs. Yeah, I throw a lot of stuff. I like taboo shit. I think though, you know, stuff that people won't touch make for. Um, Excellent topics, you know, right, to right. get on. Like I, my man John Conroy likes to say, you know, he hears something's problematic and he says, "Terrific premise," you know. Right, right, right. Um, I, and I, you know, find a way to make it work, and and that can be a challenge because, you know, on the one hand, if you hit it, if you mind that taboo topic, like like my recent joke about gender fluidity that's been hitting in a lot of places Mm -hmm. like you get that gold and you're like bam and it's like a new toy for six months to a year but then once that gets to be kind of like passe then it's like oh now i gotta find some next level kind of cutting edge shit Mm -hmm. um and this may not necessarily 
be timeless the way some other people's like kinds of humors are. Right. But I don't know. I wonder sometimes like if I'll see in the evolution of my, you know, craft that over time as you kind of level up and hit all the, you know, stages of comedy, if a lot of your bits all just become a big fucking like mishmash and you just take kind of like tags and parts of bits or whatever and find a way to like you know mix it up into a 45 minute to an hour headlining set or whatever you don't have Mm -hmm. any really many like solid bang type bits or if it's more just like storytelling with flourishes on it right because when i look at a lot of headliners when i watch them i'm like damn like it doesn't even seem like there's no way you could have just, you know, came up with all this off the top of your head or anything in that given moment. Right. But on the other hand, it seems to look so, you know, like impromptu. Right. That you lose sight of the fact that you think, oh, this person could go on for hours. Or it just something. feels conversational. It just feels conversational. Right? I've heard a lot of people say that at shows. Mm-hmm. You know, like sometimes, especially when when I was hosting Driftwood, I would like kind of hang out near the exit and just like kind of listen to what people were saying when they were leaving. Mm-hmm. And they would be like, yeah, you know, I like that comedian better because, you know, he was just talking to us like comedians are supposed to versus mm-hmm. like that one felt more rehearsed. Right. And I think a lot of people that don't know exactly how the comedy process works think that it's just like a funny person getting up and talking into a microphone about stuff. Yeah. And I think that's really what. I mean, that's one of the things that I strive for the most in comedy, and it's been one of my biggest struggles, especially coming from an acting background, is, like, not sounding rehearsed. Rehearsed, yeah. Which, with an acting background, you're supposed to sound, you know, you're supposed to get into a character and, like, have a way that you talk, and it's, like, there's a fakeness to it, but, like... There sure is. comedy, you're just you, and just real. Yeah. And, you know, the audience has to feel like they're on this journey with you for the first time, even though you're doing it for the 110th time. No, totally. And, and I think there's just things like I was, I think about this a lot, you know, like where maybe it's not scripted per se, but maybe you've got, you've done some kind of like calculations in your head for like if a given situation pops up, wouldn't right. it be great if I did this right, right. here, this one right. thing, you know, and bang and holy shit it blows the fucking door open and then everybody's like holy shit this guy's a genius um and some of that i think of like actors like trained actors like you're saying so like i read a bunch of stuff about like the nero and pacino and guys i looked up to as actors and it was i forget it was pacino or i think maybe marlon brando there was this one famous setting where he he was auditioning for something and they mm-hmm. said all right we're going to put you in this apartment and we want you to read us you know kind of look at this script or whatever but then just do something with it and yeah. then this other character is going to come in the apartment or mm-hmm. whatever and he's sitting down this character walks in and Marlon just goes right up to him slaps the guy and tosses him out of the apartment and they're like what are you doing and he's like this is my apartment. I don't know who the fuck that guy is. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But that kind of thing, or like, I don't know if you've ever seen Copland. Yeah. 
Yeah, that scene where De Niro's playing like the internal affairs guy and mm-hmm. he's telling Stallone, hey, you had a chance, you fucking blew it. You know, mm-hmm. you were going to have a case. And apparently some of that isn't scripted where the guy comes in and he has his food or whatever. And De Niro's like, they don't ever give you any fucking napkins at this place or whatever. Mm-hmm. Apparently that was real. That was food from the set and it had just been oh, really? set up. And he just had it, and he just used that as, like, kind of fodder, like almost right. like local color to add to right. whatever. Like it's unbelievable some of these things that you could just throw out. If I ever hear a good retort from a comic to, right. like, an audience, I'm like, God damn, that was so good. I don't even know if I believe that happened that quick. Right, right, right. Or if they'd been thinking, like, hey, what if something similar to this we could fire? Right. Boom. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think with actors, a lot of it comes like you're more informed because you, you're you playing a character, right? So you already make decisions. Like, how would your character react if this happened or if that happened before you start playing somebody? Right. And if a director is cool with you doing that kind of experimentation, like, you can always do a take or two extra. But there's also other directors like Quentin Tarantino. Right. Tarantino will not let you go off script. Like, not one word. Yeah. But yet. I heard David Chase is like that, too. But yet, Tarantino's movies feel the most conversational. Mm -hmm. Like, how famous is the scene with Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta in the car in Pulp Fiction talking about... uh, Royale with cheese. Yeah, the Royale with cheese. And it just feels like they're just two guys talking. It just feels so conversational. And you know who those guys are. Mm-hmm. From that, it feels so natural. Like that's like good comedy when it's like something that's like word for word in my in my mind. Yeah. Something that's like word for word written like that, right? But that you can act in such a way that it just feels like, yeah, I, you know, you're having a conversation with the audience. And I, like I say, I strive for really kind of perfect things, and I'll do a lot of the same bits hundreds of times right. to get it just the way I like it. So it's almost like on autopilot when I'm up there, right? But on the other hand, like, you know, sometimes the, the transitions work well. But then I remember one time there was some nerdy guy watching the show and he was like describing my act to someone else. And he was saying like, oh, well, like, you know, like this, the feature guy kind of just had like a string of jokes or something. And right, I right. Would, oh, I wanted to grab him and fucking toss him all around. But like, <laughs> I know, you know, I, know I mean, that feeling but, people but it, just don't. Yeah. Get you. See, well, but, or see what goes into that right. string of jokes. Right, but right, I, of course. I admit, it's not, I think the segues, though, probably need some work, some polishing, right. or it needs to be presented in such a way where it's just like all kind of like a big, I don't want to say like a thought piece, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, like a, a review of P.D. Stew or something. Right, right, right. Mm. No, I know what you mean, though. I mean, it's, and it's hard, it's really hard to make, like, go from bit to bit, and like, but a lot of great comics, like Mitch Hedberg, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, Who he feels one-liners. He feels pretty conversational in a way, it's just one-liners, and he has no segues, ever. Yeah. He just goes from one joke to the next joke to the next joke. Yeah. And that seems to me to be harder to remember a hundred fucking jokes me in too. a row. I think so too. There are some comics that do that that just do a lot of quick jokes in five minutes, and I'm just like, I don't know how. Stephen Wright, he was big on those, or oh, is really? big on those. Have you ever seen him? Uh-uh. To me, he's Hedberg before Hedberg. I mean, he's just a very dry. 
guy. Like, he'll say, like, they say it's a small world, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to paint it. Right, you know, right, right. Shit like that. Okay. It's clean, and it's it's so funny. I went to see him about 10 years ago, my old man, and, oh, yeah, it was great. That's cool. Well, Jezelnik's kind of like that. Jezelnik's just, like, he's kind of, like, his jokes are very formulaic. Like, mm-hmm. the way he just sort of creates tension, shocks, and then makes people laugh. Right. You know, and it's just like one after another after another. And his hour is just like so many jokes mm-hmm. in that time versus you have other people, you know, like Chris Rock takes like 15 minutes to tell one joke. Yeah. Yeah, that's very you know? long. And I like that long, too. Though, I love that. Yeah. I love that. I want a whole treatise. I want you to prove your point to me. I want a right, thesis right. statement and a right. fucking conclusion. Conclusion. Right. Tell me who you are. Right. Stories like that don't come from stories and nothing. Nope. Yeah. Like, I, I, it's the thing. Like, I can't, I look at a guy like a head, well, Hedberg, R.I.P., but Stephen Wright, and I think, you know, what the fuck's this guy like in real life? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, well, that's one thing that people really don't realize about comics in general. Like, people are always like, oh, I bet backstage is just super crazy. They just think we're a bunch of, like, clowns. Backstage and like super extroverted And I'm like those are actors Yeah Comics are generally pretty introverted people Which which surprised me a lot Coming into stand up Because I did like a lot of improv type of stuff in college And people were more Like actors In improv where you had introverts But there were a lot of like extroverted people Who were you know yeah, no, I know they're introverts because I'm an extrovert and I hate all them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't hate all. I like a lot of them, but I think yeah, they're more like yeah, they keep to themselves. It's yeah. just a different thing. Most comics are very introverted people, which I think, which once you're there, it makes sense, right? Because also, like being on stage, I think is a lot easier than like having a conversation with most humans. Yeah, and a lot of people like stand up comedy is so brave. I'm like, this networking event is so brave. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like those kind of like networky things. Like to me, that's way scarier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the glad handing stuff, stuff you were talking yeah, about. I hate that like that shit. stuff is way scarier than. Yeah, it's just lies. I don't like lying. Right, right, right. Lies and just kind of like nobody cares about this conversation about usually the weather or something like that. Like mm-hmm. nobody, nobody cares. Yeah, like no. we all have an agenda. And we're all thinking about something else. Yeah, no, I want to talk about waxing an asshole. Right, right, and that's why. At stand-up, I have, I've got a stage and a mic, and nobody can say shit. I can talk about asshole waxing for as long as I like. <laughs> yep, yep, that's, that's how, it, how it basically breaks down there. Um, So, I'd say that, uh, Oh yeah, so a couple one last thing we want to get to before we plug the draft. Oh yeah, I know what we want to talk about. So Petey's talking about how he likes to talk about things on stage that are pretty taboo subjects. Mm-hmm. But you don't you don't necessarily leave that on stage. On no. social media you tend to write jokes. I think it's super funny to write jokes yeah. about certain taboo subjects. And you were telling me just before we started recording this that you've been kicked off Twitter? Yeah, I have been. And I don't know why. I, they didn't you don't? tell me. No, they just said your account's been suspended until further notice or something. And I didn't. I went and I tried to sort of start the appeal process, 
but I was getting that sort of like technological rudder rat where they're right. like, click on this, and then they give you like 10 different paragraphs for reasons. I'm like, why don't you just get to my reason? What, what the fuck was they it? Don't, they, they don't tell you a reason? No, they didn't tell me what tweet it was that set it off or anything. And I was thinking, I was like, definitely have a few in the last week or so that might I'm be trying considered. to look for Are you? Can I not read you any can tweets? Read that, them. Can I not? I can. They're still there. Because I'm trying to see, like, it what was be. it? Can, or can you not see them? No, I can't find you. Well, I'm looking for you. everybody who's listening. I'm oh, looking yeah, they're for saying right zero followers. Zero yeah, following. I can't find you. So it might have been the thing about, at this point, I think Melania's plagiarism antics are basically SOS flares to summon the Obamas to rescue her. I don't think that's that bad. Yeah, I don't either. But I'm trying to think, what the fuck could it be? All right, how about this? What's my Netflix tonight? Cultural appropriation tragedy or cultural appropriation fantasy? Rachel Divide or Cobra Kai? I mean... I mean, I don't know. It's just an observational yeah. thing. Then, oh, maybe it was dissing Melania's bullying thing. I said... Be, well, that's hilarious. It'd be best, best be getting the fuck out of my face of that bullshit. Um, it's maybe it's because you said fucking bullshit. Do they get mad when you do that on Twitter? I've done that so many times. I don't think so. Do you think somebody complained about you? I, I wouldn't be shocked because I occasionally, not more than occasionally, I get Republicans that'll like comment under my fucking things. Oh, no way. And, and say, like, yeah. And you can always tell if they misspell like every other yeah, word. Yeah. And. <laughs> If sometimes I'll write like a you know something back that's fucked up, but then I'll just block them. Generally, I just block them. I'm like I don't have time for all this aggravation, you know. That's crazy. So yeah, this someone is... could have reported me. I don't know. That's fucked up. Uh, yeah, I think those jokes were funny. That's yeah. not bad at all. That's not bad at all. That's light for that's, me. That's yeah. I was gonna say for Petey, those ain't shit. That's mm-hmm. nothing. No, I mean if I'm talking about you know. Well, what I talk about. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean. See, I couldn't even tell you what my most, like, offensive thing is because it's kind of numb to me. Well, can, well, I think it also depends on the person and what you're most sen- <laughs> what you're the most sensitive to. Yeah. It, but it, it's definitely, your offensive stuff is a lot more taboo than those three tweets you just read me. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've had friends get kicked off social media, but usually it's for, like, showing a nipple on Instagram. Nipple on Instagram. Yeah, That'll that's... get you banned, huh? Yeah, yeah. If you have, like... What if it's, like, breast milking? Well, I think that's part of the, like, free the nipple on Instagram thing that, like, Michelle Wolf talks about. But I think... I mean, the friends that I have... I mean, listen, I used to live in L.A., so I know mm-hmm. a lot of, like, Instagram models. Right. And so I think a lot of them did, like, a... You know, an artistic boob. Sure. Artisanal boob. Artisanal and they got boob. kicked off Instagram for a while. That's pretty whack. Yeah, it's pretty whack. It's pretty, but you know, Instagram—they they make that a very clear part of their policy. That's why I don't understand Twitter doing this. Like, really, what gets you kicked off Twitter? Well, Rose McGowan got kicked off Twitter. Good for a day after the Harvey Weinstein thing happened. He's kidding when he said good. By the way. Oh, I didn't know the rest of that sentence necessarily, <laughs> but I think she's a pain in the ass. That is such a. I mean. She helped us all. I mean, she helped report this whole Harvey Weinstein thing. She also took hush money from a mad. So years did a ago. lot of people. I know. When but- and with someone that powerful, like it's hard. To, it's hard to say. Like when you're in that position, like when someone that powerful who has mm-hmm. that much say in your career, you know, they probably are going to believe him at that point. That's what whole. What that's what Me Too is really about. 
that like power dynamic. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. To come out. Rose 20, McGowan is not a pain in the ass. Twenty That's what years we're later, then make a book brave. It is brave. I don't know. I feel like I, there's something about her that rubs me wrong. I don't know. Anyway. Well, she's telling the truth. See, this is see, this is the kind of thing like we disagree, but we're still still friends. That's right. So all I'll smack you over the head later. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Um, but we got big things coming out. Big things coming out. Not just this podcast. But we have on at the draft house on five twenty four. Speechless, the ultimate improvisational gauntlet. That'll be fun. A change of space, pace from all the stand-up stuff. Indeed. Also, Attack of the Comics, Friday night. That's every Friday every at Friday, the Draft 10 House. 45 p.m. That's a great show. We're both on that from time to time. Then Saturday night comedy showcase, 10.45 p.m. That's the show that Petey and I met at that Indeed. we were talking about. That's every Saturday. And, and it's free to get in, and you'll see a lot of great comics. As we talked about on our podcast page, fucking we have free, several free pairs of tickets to Greg Fitzsimmons' Friday night 7 p.m. show. Yes. And you just have to like our pages in order to be in consideration for them. So that's the Countercurrents Facebook page, Countercurrents DC on Instagram and on Twitter. This is going to come out after Greg Fitzsimmons performs, right? Uh, yeah, it is. Duh. Yeah, yeah I was going to say. So That's why we did a so live. So maybe yeah, that's why we did the live. And but then I forgot that it but was. But <laughs> those kind of deals, those kind of deals might come back. Yeah. So if you keep listening to us, you might end up with more. So this is a good thing for the pilot episode. <laughs> yeah. See, yeah. this is this is what they talked about with me keeping PD in line. Mm-hmm. I just did that. Yep. But um there's also on my and birthday Rose weekend. one's gonna wax my asshole. <laughs> God. <laughs> Moving on, Leonard Outs, who was on Conan, Wildin' Out, and comedians, is gonna be at the Draft House also June first and second, my birthday weekend. He's super funny. He's hilarious. And that's being produced by Underground Comedy. You guys should go see that. That'll be a great one. Any other cool stuff coming up? Uh. No, I think that's it for right this That's moment. it for right now. There's a lot of cool stuff coming up at the Draft House, but we'll tell you more about that stuff later on on the podcast because it's in like a few weeks from now. Bong, bong. Bong, bong. So, we definitely want to thank each other for being here in each other's arms this evening. Whoa, not in each other's arms. <laughs> Whoa, chill out. <laughs> There's actually a lot of space in between us right yes, now. Yes, there is. Yeah. There's just no <laughs> camera, so I'm you know, taking yeah. the liberty of... You and know, I'm taking the liberty no to shut visual. that shit down. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we will be back at you next Sunday with another great episode. Yeah. I'm one host, Petey Steele. I'm your other host, Elena Torres. Thanks for listening. We are gone. We are gone.